Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? It's great, Dennis. Um, life here in the greater Bloomington, Indiana area is pretty amazing. How's the West out going for you? Are you still in uh, Nevada? Yep. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. It's, it's because I think of it. I mean, I think people in cities do this a lot. Like, they don't live in Illinois. They live in Chicago. Of course, if you're in New York, it's both. But uh, yes, I'm still in Vegas, leaving tomorrow, finally. Um, that's a... I, I, w a I would story. ask how, how you... how If you came out of Vegas with uh, more or less money than you went in with, but I actually know the answer to that and it has nothing to do with gambling. <laughs> well, well, I mean... Yes, but even even if even without that, uh I definitely left I'm leaving Vegas with less money than than I came in. I did not win anything. I we <laughs> talked about the the gambling games a couple weeks ago and I won a couple times but never I guess there was one point where I put $4 into uh uh roulette and had five dollars after the first roll but i kept playing because everybody else was playing um in our group and i was not going to just stand around in the casino because if you're playing then you get free drinks um i only, I only got one free drink that whole time and i paid for it because I, I paid i just paid it her in tip well those those i mean depending on what you get the drink i got was about sixteen dollars so, oh. um, I got a Modelo, I, I, so I guess that's $12. If you just get a beer. Yeah. Well, yeah. A beer in Vegas is like 11 or 12 bucks. So, right. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I could, I could potentially get into that story since it's mostly resolved at this point. Um, but my catch people my up travel... on your, on your, your misfortune that you had recently. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, short version of the story, and it's weird to tell it on the show because I've told it over half a dozen times to people in, in various, even people like, I don't know, like tow truck driver and, and stuff like that. But, um, I drove up to Las Vegas from, um, Arizona somewhere, uh, the, the park I came from, and I think the park I'm going back to tomorrow, because um, I was going to go to Palm Springs, but the um, weather reports I'm seeing on social media and other places make me nervous about going to Southern California right now. Um, mm. It's uh, it's full on Noah's Ark down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, that, that park, that. if you're familiar with Arizona at all, it's somewhere in between uh lake havasu and phoenix in that region it's kind of in the middle of nowhere um in arizona in and desert. most of the yeah in the desert uh it's a park where a lot of people go to um do off-road stuff they bring their uh dirt bikes and atvs and side-by-sides whatever all that stuff is called um 
but I was driving up from there to Vegas and it's, it goes through the mountains. It goes over the bridge right in front of, um, the Hoover dam. And while, uh, climbing a hill, pulling my camper, um, I got an error message on my Jeep and the motor died. Um, I was able to safely get off the road. There was one of those, like, it's an intersection, but the road only goes to the other way of the highway. This was, um, route 93 us, us route. Um, but the intersection still went to both sides of the highway, even though the part that I pulled off onto was basically enough room for my vehicle and the camper. And then there was a fence and like signs where the pavement just ended. I don't know why that's there, but it gave me more than enough space to get fully safely off the highway. Um, and then the Jeep wouldn't start. And so after almost an entire afternoon, I think I broke down sometime around like two 30 or three in the afternoon. Um, finally got tow trucks. They actually used two because one, they put the Jeep up on one and pulled a camper with another, um, because they needed a, they needed the second truck to like move the Jeep out of the way so that they could get it onto a flatbed truck. Um, because there wasn't room in front of me because I pulled up to that thing. Cause I didn't think I was broken down. I thought it would just restart. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that I finally got towed about like nine 30 or 10. There was a lot of back and forth with trying to get a hold of, um, my insurance and, um, get dispatched, you know, get them to dispatch tow truck drivers, all that stuff. Um, about, the next day or the day after I signed up for AAA, like, this is dumb. I should just have this. It's not that expensive. Um, compared for to you, especially. Paying, yeah. Yeah. Compared to paying for that tow, which was very expensive. Um, though I did get fully reimbursed from my insurance. So non-sponsored plug for, uh, state farm auto insurance. Um, <laughs> I got towed into Kingman, Arizona which is about two hours, uh, hour 40 south of Vegas um, on Interstate 40, I think, coming across from Flagstaff. 40 runs parallel to a lot of um, Route 66, if if that gives you any idea where that is. None of that's particularly relevant. But um, I had them take the Jeep to a shop and my camper to a KOA. Uh, um, RV park. And this was a Friday because of the way, um, my schedule and my reservation worked out because the, the park I was coming, I'm trying to remember why that was the case. The park I was coming from is where I left my camper over Christmas. Um, yeah. And so I took it down there early so that I could get a head start on the drive, the like three and a half day drive back to Indiana. And my, um, in my membership, I can stay at a park for 21 nights. So I booked there for the full three weeks, but that was Friday to Friday, three weeks later. Right. Um, anyway, it was a Friday and everything was closed. So I stayed in that KOA all weekend. And then 
On Monday, the shop called me to say that the engine in my Jeep was seized, and the only thing they could do was replace it. Um, and the price they quoted me was as much as I paid for the Jeep plus about eight grand. Yeah, I was like, and you told me that I yeah. was stunned. I was stunned. Yeah, I tell you. Uh, for for reference, uh, the Jeep is a 2015. I bought it in 2021, just over two years ago, and have put had put about 48,000 miles on it. So I was past the extended uh, warranty that I bought. It only went mm -hmm. uh, th three years or 36,000 miles. Um. And I was like, okay, I'm obviously not doing that. So I had AAA tow the Jeep from that shop to, which was an independent shop, to um, also n nothing, nothing against that shop. They didn't charge me for that diagnostic. And most of the price they quoted me was the cost of the engine because it is a um, Jeep Grand Cherokee with a diesel motor which are pretty rare and the motors are very expensive because I had it towed to the Chrysler dealer, the Jeep dealer. And they told me basically the same thing. Um, their quote was like, uh, about $2,000 less. I don't know if they probably pay less for the motor than an independent shop does. Um, sure. But I was like, that's still not a viable solution. Um, yeah, still not a thing. Time, time to look yeah. elsewhere. New, new ideas. Yeah, nothing. Um, there was nothing I could claim on my insurance because I wasn't in an accident or anything. Um, the the Jeep shop did offer to start disassembling the motor to try and figure out what happened. Um, but I talked to my uh, agent, my insurance agent, um, who also did everything he could to to help me. Like he wanted to, he wanted to help me, but we both just kind of agreed that like you know, the, the chances of them finding something we could file a claim on were slim. And if they didn't, then I was on the hook for, um, the hours of them taking the motor apart, taking the engine apart. So, um, I decided not to do that. Um, then I, because this was Monday before, um, Pat, Pat's birthday weekend, which started around like Thursday or Friday of that week. Um, yeah. And I was, I was paying for the KOA like 50 bucks a night, um, which is not a bad deal for a KOA, but, um, you know, it's just money. So yeah. I rented a U-Haul truck, a, a medium sized box truck and used it to bring the camper up here to Vegas where there's a thousand trails park I can stay at for, and in fact have stayed at for my full 21 nights. Um, and then I did what I would have done anyway, just used ride shares to get back and forth from the strip while you all were here. Um, right. and so last week, was it last week? I think it was just last week, a little over a week ago. Um, I got a rideshare down to a part of the city. It's actually another a little uh, um, suburb town or whatever, um, where there are a bunch of car dealerships all together, like some cities do. Yeah. Um, 
and I bought a 2020 Ford Ranger. So now I have a truck. I'm one of those guys. Though it's it's a Ranger. It's a small truck. Um, sure. And um, that's most of the story. Um, I still have to deal with the Jeep. I had to um, uh, pay it off so that I can get the title, so that I can try to sell it to a salvage service or something and try to get anything out of it. Both dealerships that I talked to, the Ford dealership where I bought the Ranger and the Chrysler dealership that still has the Jeep down there, um, they both said basically because of the state it's in, um, the most they could offer me in a trade-in is like a few hundred bucks, maybe 500 bucks. Um, and I think I'm hoping that I can get a slightly better deal than that from, from the salvage service, but I have to, um, I have to get the title first before I can do that. Um, and that's, that's pretty much the whole story. It's, uh, just a a lot of a, a, a big financial hit is really the, the big thing. And I don't want to downplay that. I've, I was, I've been very fortunate in my career and in selling the house before I started this, this camper thing, I got lucky with what happened to the markets after the pandemic. And well, this was still kind of during the pandemic when I sold the house, but, um, and so I was, you know, able to weather this, this financial, uh, uh, hit and, you know, I just try to try to look on the on the bright side of things it's not something you know if you've listened to the show for a while i'm a generally kind of cynical person but you know i didn't get hurt i didn't cause any accidents i wasn't in an accident um i still made it to pat's birthday um yeah you know i yeah i, w- I got was, a replacement uh... vehicle that is not uh it's not perfect um it's got some it's got some quirks with it i've driven around town with it a little bit. Um, I thought I would more. That was part of my thing. I'm like, I'll be here another little over a week, almost week and a half. I mean, I'll drive it around. And then if anything happens, I can um, go back to the dealership and get them to fix it or whatever. And I forgot that I'm in a city and I really hate driving here. The people, I don't know if it's Nevada drivers or just city drivers. Very, very frustrating. Um, I did have one small issue with the alarm, the car alarm in the truck going off. Um, I set it off myself twice, which is just a thing. If you're getting used to a vehicle, figuring out like, oh yeah, you can't just open it with the key. You got to do the thing. And it was never an issue at all with the, with the Jeep because the Jeep had the, like, if I put my, my thumb on the, on the door handle, the locks would just unlock if I had the the remote in my pocket, the fob. Um, the truck doesn't do that. And mm-hmm. um, and then it set off twice from the garbage truck going by because the like there are dumpsters, right? RV parks always have dumpsters. Um, at this park, the trucks come by and empty those dumpsters every day. I'm oh, like, yeah. is is this really how much trash is being generated 
it's it's Jeez. kind of a weird it's one of those weird ironies like if you do um i don't know if i mentioned this when we did boundary water stuff but if you do like um more hardcore camping like backpacking and and hiking and stuff like that um you have uh you know you want to leave no trace right yeah right and there's new stuff um um like like products that are very well designed and engineered there's stuff like you've got a food pouch and it's got you know something that's very close to like a chocolate cake or a scrambled eggs and bacon or something just in a pouch but the pouch is you know lined with some kind of metallic material so you can tear the top off of it heat up water pour boiling water in there stir it around and eat it right out of that pouch like it's designed yeah, in a way that right. doesn't melt or anything from hot water um but whatever that is made out of you can't burn and in a lot of places where you backpack you're not supposed to burn trash anyway and so you have to pack it all out you have to you know put, if you're hiking you have to put it back in your backpack and carry it out you gotta you're, you're like generating all this trash i'm like it's yeah, funny yeah. that in order to keep this part of the environment like clean and and natural and whatever for the people that come up the trail behind you you're also generating all this trash that is going to go somewhere else on the planet <laughs> like it's a weird sort of yeah thing anyway one of those trucks that emptied the dumpsters uh set off my car alarm at the alarm in the truck and then a couple days later a low-flying helicopter set it off and it's annoying right i gotta dig out the fob and hit the button to get it to stop and and, every, I, and everybody's hating you for those few minutes there there is that except that around me sometimes in the park and sometimes probably there's like an apartment complex right next to it's a weird thing having an rv park in a city like this but i hear a car alarm go off every day at least once yeah so i'm sure. like okay it's it's not just me but all of that to say i called up the dealership and took it down there um they looked at it found the there's like a sensitivity knob buried way up under the the steering wheel um but they found that and adjusted it for me um and it was all good that's good you know the the thing with with your car it's tragic you know i i always think of those things as you know sometimes you have a medical problem and then there or there's a household problem or there's a car problem and then it co you know it costs you big money out of the blue and those are the things that we all hate most in life with money yeah. mm -hmm. um but i remember you and i talked about this a little bit off the air about how that's your house so that's for me, that's if the water heater goes out. Granted, yours costs significantly more, but it would be more like if my roof went, went you know, started leaking and I needed to replace my entire right. roof. Um, yeah. It's, it's more expensive, yeah, I think... but, my, but that's half of your house, basically. When half of your house is broken, it's done. But, you know, I'd have to replace half right. my house for all right. the mechanics and yeah. the moving it and things like and, that that you have to do. And that's, and that's how I try to think of my expenses. Like, aside from the initial investment in my campground membership um yeah. my annual dues amount to about 50 bucks a month 
which is one night at a private at a KOA or something. Um, <laughs> right. That maybe maybe two nights at a state park. So yeah, I'm you know the the campground membership is the only way I'm able to do this unless I had a camper with a lot of solar and really good batteries, all of which is thousands of dollars to to set up and then park, you know, then camp in places that are free, like um, Bureau of Land Management land and uh, stuff like that. There are there are free campgrounds in places, um, you know, state or even county. I think down in Florida has some county parks. Um, and so that part of it is almost a non-expense. Like it's so it's so economical. Um, and then I just think of my car payment and what I spend on fuel. I guess I can go back to saying gas now yeah. that I don't have a diesel anymore. Um, yeah. right. Gas and the car payment are, are my version of rent, right? Cause I don't pay rent. Right. Um, yeah. rent or mortgage, I guess, or, or property not. taxes, kind of property taxes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have, I have, yeah, you don't actually pay property stuff. taxes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I pay, I mean, I have a decent, um, a decent amount every year in registration fees for two vehicles. Um, sure. And insurance on both, but my insurance is pretty cheap too, because, um, I'm in the same, um, same agency that my parents used for decades um, and got a lot of discounts with that. I've also never really had a major auto claim. Um, I don't think like maybe, maybe a windshield once or twice and a couple of toes in uh, toe, towing toes um, in what's, What's 42 minus 16? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, 25 plus years of driving. Um, yeah. Been very yeah. fortunate in that regard as well. Um, yeah. Could, definitely could have been worse. And yeah. And my, and my auto insurance is only, I think he said it's going up by like $4 a month. I'm like, Okay. Too bad. That's that's yeah. much better yeah. because it it took a big jump when I switched from my old vehicle was a I think 2007 or 8 um Hyundai Elantra to a 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee. It I don't think it doubled, but it went up like by like 25 bucks a month. It was a pretty significant jump. Um this one was yeah. not as bad. Anyway, Crazy. that's that's my well. Wow, that was my, uh, that was a a, uh, a lot for your last travel month, for sure. Travel adventures for the last month. That's what I alluded to last week, talking about January. Um, and then tomorrow I'm moving. I'll be towing the camper with the new truck for the first time, and through the Nevada Arizona mountains. So, goodness, well, fingers good crossed luck for, with that, that uh, for sure. That that goes well. I'm definitely going to be taking it easy going slow, let people pass me. I do that anyway, sure, but sure. this is the sort of maiden voyage of this setup. I did drive back down to Kingman over the weekend. Um, cause I had to get all my stuff out of Jeep. 
Um, yeah. I brought most of the things I needed, but there were a couple pieces of my uh, trailer hitch. I'm like, oh, I uh, I need those. Yeah. And uh, my my bag of board games and um, yeah, yeah, some other my, my oh, ATM I... card, which I very wisely kept in my vehicle. And then when we were down on the strip and everything was cash, I'm like, uh, ooh, it's a good thing. Yeah, I've got about a little over a hundred dollars in cash because I don't have an ATM card. Yeah, yeah. Well, my weekend was. Was pretty productive, I think. My la- my last week, not, not as productive as you know, buying a, a vehicle to replace my stuff. But I I had a uh, I got to go see. We watched with the buddy friends of the show, Justin and Mr. Pat. Uh, we went and watched Argyle in the theaters this last week. Mm. Uh, How was the that? New show from. It was okay. It's from. Um, it stars Henry Cavill and um, Army Hammer. Not Army Hammer. I think he plays Justin Hammer. I uh, can't think of the, the actor's name right now. Uh, John Cena and John Cena is a little bit in it, just just a little bit. Oh, okay. But uh, okay. The, the, we still haven't said the main, the two main actors. It's uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and the guy whose name I can't right, escapes me. He plays Justin Hammer in the, the Iron Man movies. Um, they're they're the main characters. It's go watch the trailer if you're not sure about it. It's a film about a writer who writes spy novels and her stories are so close to the truth that a spy comes and kidnaps her to kind of kidnaps her uh, to solve a a crime that's happening because she seems to be able to predict the future. Um, This is a movie by Matthew Vaughn, who also is known for the... A Kingsman series, Kingsman, mm-hmm. and it, it it's a it, surprisingly enough, it's a shared world. At the end, there's a tag for the Kingsman stuff that kind of comes in on on the end of this film, uh, so it ties them together. And uh, Matthew Vaughn has said, stated that he'd like to put to bring the two franchises, if he wants this to be a franchise, of two things together: the world of Argyle and the world of Kingsman. I will say, so if anyone's seen the Kingsman films. The first one was James Bond-esque, and then they kind of took a left turn and went into the really overblown, goofy, kitschy, kind of um, absurd stuff. Uh, especially like, the more um, recent ones, they're very Like absurd. classic James Bond? P- perhaps like classic. Maybe that's where he's, he's tunneling uh, or channeling, tunneling, channeling, channeling uh, with that stuff. Uh, like for example, one guy's a Texas uh, villain, and he's got a, he wears a huge ten gallon hat. And he walks around with the spurs and stuff like that around, and the the western shirts, and like he's just a big caricature the whole time. And all of the characters are very much like that. Um, okay. And I, I say that because that applies to his his what he's doing here with Argyle. Argyle is the two words that we were one hundred percent down with describing this was goofy. And absurd. This this film is one hundred percent goofy and one hundred percent absurd. If if you go into it thinking of anything else, you're going to be sorely disappointed and not enjoy your time because it's just like I little spoiler, but not really. Just going to describe one scene. Oil, like petroleum oil, gets all on the ground mm-hmm. that they're in this room mm-hmm. they're in. Okay. And crude oil, right? 
and Bryce Dallas Howard decides that she's going to take two daggers and and shove her feet down on him on her boots and then use them as skate ice skates and starts fighting the bad guys while she's ice skating around this crude oil in in the room. And she does all sorts of flips and, and ice skating tricks. And you're like, what is even happening? She grabs two m- machine guns and starts spinning and shooting around in circles. And you're like, this is a, this is crazy. And that's most of the movie is like that. It's just over the, over the top absurd. Uh, so I think all three of us, when we were watching it for the beginning, we're like, what are we supposed to be seeing here? Is this, is it just supposed to be silly because it's the, like when she tells the story, like when she's telling, you're reading the book parts, but then the real world stuff becomes just as absurd and silly. And you're like, okay, well I just, I've given up on this making any kind of sense and believability. I'm just here for the ride type stuff. So that being said, it was enjoyable for that reason. Like you're just like, this is so goofy and so silly. Almost to the level of when we watched Step Brothers this week, but nowhere near as funny. Like it was just goofy where Step Brothers was kind of funny. Uh, so did would it, I recommend Argyle? Did it Argyle? have a similar vibe to um, what's the other movie we watched with with Superman? Um, why am I blanking on his name? Oh, uh, like Superman 3? No, 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 no. Um uh, with Alicia Vikander and Army Hammer, and uh, oh, I know like, what you're talking about no, and, 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 and Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, um, that's it. No, no, that Cavill, one's that Cavill, one's Cavill. much better. That's much better. I, I really? like that much better. Okay. Yes. Okay. No, no, that one, that one is is would no wouldn't would not. I mean, sure, you can say goofier or a little absurd in scenes. No, this one was. If that one was a three on the goofy scale, this one's 12 compared oh, wow. to that. Yeah. It's, I mean, I did see yeah, the trailer and there's a bunch of close. gags with a cat. So, um, yes. I, I and and that's, tracks. those are the mild scenes. Okay. Those shots with the cat. They, they really are. I think that the trailer almost built it as a kind of an action adventure, um, with some, with some laughs in it. It's mostly all goofy, absurd stuff. With a little bit of action adventure in it, with some action adventure, I guess in it, but it's just okay. it's just goofy. I, I don't want to keep yes. saying it that more because it feels like it's putting it down. I don't want to be a negative Nancy on it because I think people who watch it and are going to enjoy it are going to be like, well, he just doesn't get that. That's the fun of it. It's just being silly and fun. I'm like, no, no, no. I agree, and you're right. So who do I recommend it to? If you just want silly, a silly fun thing that's not important and just just goofy, then this is this is a thing to watch. Um, yeah, that, that's all there is to it. I would not rush to go watch it. Like I must see this thing. You definitely can watch it at home. Doesn't necessarily need to be watched anywhere else. It has a little bit of storyline with a couple little twists, but it's pretty predictable. Um, I enjoy good twists, things that you kind of can figure out are coming or who this, who did this, who was that? Who's this guy? You can pretty much see every twist, everything that's going to happen, through the movie right one guy dies and you're like oh that's a little suspicious they're probably going to come back and guess what they come back like it's that kind of thing you 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 can they telegraph things really openly with a lot of their stuff so uh yeah i I enjoyed it because we were in the movie theater with friends and that was fun 
Sure. Um, then, but let's, oh, why don't I say, I want to do stepbrothers here in a minute, but, um, I want to talk about two, I want, I want to talk about two TV shows that I've watched. Okay. Um, I'll just say real quick, Ted, uh, I'm watching the, 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 there's the Ted teddy bear from what's, what's the guy's name that did Orville, uh, Seth MacFarlane. McFarlane. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah and he's Seth doing McFarlane the TV series. And, and, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, they're doing the TV series. There's a TV series now of Ted and it's got seven episodes right, right, eight out right now. I think there's going to be total of eight. And yeah, it is, it's on, I can't remember which channel it's on. I want to say Paramount, but I can't remember. Um, it's funny. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's, it's kind of made for, for my kind of humor, which is stupid and dumb and, and, and low quality. Um, <laughs> is if, if if you like Ted the movies, this is more of that. This is just every episode is another movie of Ted, which I absolutely loved the, the two of them. And the kid they picked to play, it takes, this takes place in the past. The series takes place like when um, Mark Wahlberg's character and Johnny and Ted are in high school. So okay. the, the young person they picked for that does a... Does a good Mark Wahlberg playing Johnny? Because Mark Wahlberg plays a Bostonian, uh, goofy guy, you know, buddy stoner right. guy, and he, the kid, is doing. They're just he just bounces off of Seth MacFarlane's Ted, just like Mark Wahlberg does, and they have the the and he delivers the lines just like he does. I'm like, oh yeah, he's definitely a young. This is a young Mark Wahlberg's character for sure, and, okay. and it does real well. And they've got. It's it's a family kind of type thing, so there's more characters in the family that are goofy and fun. Uh, but I really like it. I've gone through, I said, six of the seven episodes that are out so far. Um, <laughs> I I like it. I love the jokes. Love the one-liners. I'm sure. I've just given in into the fact that I like goofy Seth MacFarlane stuff, and I know he's lowbrow, but you know we all it have our guilty pleasure. Reminds um, me so. of. Um... What was the movie we watched on Netflix uh, with Ryan Reynolds where he's a time traveler? Oh, Adam, the Adam Project? Adam Project. Um, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, with the little the kid. Yeah. Yeah, the kid who is – he's supposed to be Ryan Reynolds as a kid, and it's okay, but it's really like a kid delivering Ryan Reynolds' lines. Um, yeah. Is the – is the kid playing Marky Mark like that? Or does he seem like a real character? Like, does he talk like a kid or does he talk like, no, he talks like Marky Mark. Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Yeah. Mark, Mark, I see Marky Mark, but yes, Mark Wahlberg. No, he, he talks like Mark Wahlberg. I mean, okay. I thought that that kid from the Adam project was totally believable as a young Ryan Reynolds. He just mannerisms and acting clearly yeah. was mimicking him. And this guy feels like he's doing that too. Like he's definitely channeling Mark Wahlberg. I'm like, well done. That's got to be hard. I'm sure he's got an acting coach for it, but it is totally. I guess believable. that works. Like, like it's that. much harder to like try to figure out because, like, that's not how it works, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't, I, I doubt you or either you or I or any any adult is well. I say this the other way. I I doubt either of us were 
why can't I phrase a sentence? I'm, I'm, I'm disproving my own point well, right here. Kind of like how we are where we were kids. Like we've exactly. Like, like, I think, I think that we're more, at least hopefully more clever and articulate than we were in middle school. I agree. Right. Yes. You're right. Um, you're right. That's, you're but right. like, how do you write that in a way that tracks for the audience? Like that's easier, especially right. in a comedy <laughs> like this, where Adam project was a little more drama. Um, sure. I assume this is just straight, you know, almost all comedy. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. And it, yeah. it makes more sense to just have him be that character, but as a kid. Well, it's, it, it answers a, a kind of a problem people have with, um, you like, you like a thing. Like the best thing about one of the best thing about Ted's Ted, that movie, the two movies is that Mark Wahlberg and Ted, their characters bounce off each other so well. Like that friendship sure. and hilarity is perfect that's what makes that film those the films so good yeah right um so you take mark Wahlberg out because you don't want to have it first off you can't have mark Wahlberg an expensive uh actor in a series in a show. right yeah uh, series, so right. H- w- w- how do you replace them well you know you could just replace them and hope for the best or go back in time but then you have that problem is that you if you want it to be successful audiences are expecting the core to be that relationship and that banter back and forth between these two characters. So in this situation, it does behoove the casting people to cast one who's just as close to Mark Wahlberg as you could get, but you're right. It doesn't quite make the the writers to write him the same. Have you ever seen, I have not, have you ever seen young Sheldon? I have actually, I watched the first season, I think. Okay. Um, I I was surprised that it was okay. And it wasn't, it wasn't as bad. I thought it was going to be terrible, but it was okay. And, and I'm assuming the, the character, the titular character talks and acts like, um, Parsons, what Sheldon from Bing Bang, Big Bang yeah. Theory. Uh, yes and no. I, I think he, it's been a while since I've seen that first season, but it, the way I remember it, he acts more like what you're describing. Like, someone who's not Sheldon yet. Okay. He still has, he has, he's on the spectrum and has, has issues and speaks in a certain way, but, but you can tell that he's not gotten to the point where even the first episode of what, who Sheldon is in the first episode, first season of big bang theory, like this kid is still a kid and figuring who he is out. So that, that I think that they actually wrote him how you were suggesting instead of, Young Sheldon. I, I watch the rest of the seasons and if he developed. I wonder if that, that show I wonder if that show had better writers than Big Bang Theory. Maybe. I mean and Big I'll, Bang Theory I'll, had okay writers the first season or two, but it, at times it. it was it was pretty good. I I watched a lot of that show. And yeah. I yeah. I'm not I'm not super proud of it. It was entertaining for the first couple seasons. Yeah. Until yeah. somebody pointed out that most of the jokes were at the expense of the nerds, even though yeah. it purported to be a show yeah. for nerds. Like all right. the jokes were for penny kind of people. And yeah. th- then once I saw that, I was like, uh, yeah, you're right. This, the, these jokes are it bad. It is. It is. The, and the, the first three, the, two, two or three seasons, maybe they're, they're kind of the jokes are for like the, a lot of in jokes and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but then they, they stop. They stop bringing in nerds and start bringing in the penny type characters, and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite work out the same. 
the same. Right. But anyway, we, we're moving off that one. Ted, Ted was fun. I like it. I if you like Ted the films, um, or Seth MacFarlane in general, if you like Family Guy because he's basically doing Peter Griffin as Ted, right? Yeah. Then then you'll like then you'll like Ted, and I really I do really like it. So thumbs up for me. Uh, it's really goofy. The last, the other one I wanted to talk about real quick was a, a film called Jury Duty, which our buddy Trotsky turned me on to. It is what a uniquely hilarious show. Um, it's I think it's only eight episodes, maybe to it. It's a series. It, it's a series. Okay, you said okay. movie, so I was confused for a second. Sorry, sorry. I've, I've heard of this, um, but I don't remember where. And I think it was generally yeah. favorable. What? What is the premise? What is it about? Called Jury Duty. Yeah. Okay. So it's a weird setup. It's a. It's a, a, there's a jury trial happening and it's, it's really for the silliest thing. It's like a, uh, um, the plaintiff, um, did some damage to maybe, a, I can't quite remember the whole thing, but it's like he did damage to a video store while he was working there and they're trying to sue him for it. And for some reason that qualifies as a jury trial, which is almost a little absurd. And sure. us people know that. But what happened, that's, that's a thing that happened. That's the setup is that there's a trial, right? And the thing that's different about this trial is that everyone on the jury and everyone, the lawyers and the judge are actors except for one person. And he has no idea that it's, it's fake. So it's kind of, it's a scripted, scripted improv type stuff. You know, where they have, it's like a, it's like a reality show. Kind of, yes. I mean, they're they're obviously the writers are writing parts for these actors, to giving them goals and things they have to do, like try to get him to do this. Or you two characters, this is your character, and when you interact with him, get him to do this type thing because they're kind of trying to push him down a storyline. But there's someone in the cast or in the jury who's not an actor, who's who's real. Yeah, yeah, it? he's he's the only one. Okay. And they, and they did lots and lots of interviews for, you know, air quotes, jury interviews to find the right person who is, this guy is like a really nice, kind person and he's a little gullible. So he kind of believes all the best things mm-hmm. and he can be, it seems like gullible is the right word. He can be duped at one point about halfway through. He's like, Everything just goes crazy here in this place. It's just like one thing after the other. It's like it's reality TV. And he's just kind of exasperated. And you can kind of see the people around him are, you could just feel the tension. They're like, oh no, does he know? Does he know? And I hear that there's afterwards, there's a whole episode after like where they're all talking about behind the scenes and showing stuff I'm looking forward to watching. I've not seen the last episode yet. But here's the, here's one of the best parts about it is one of the people that is called for jury duty is actor James Marsden. That's uh, James okay. Marsden is known yep. for uh, uh, psych. He played Cyclops in the X Men films, uh, okay. like older Cyclops, and he's done a lot of other things. He was in uh, one West of the Superman World. films. He, Westworld. He, he does a lot of parts where his co-star is a cartoon, right? The Sonic yes, correct. And- Sonic. He's in Sonic, correct? So, James Marsden. He's a pretty well-known actor. And he plays himself being called for jury duty. Sure. And okay. 
he is great. Like, he is pretty great. He's doing everything he can to get out of jury duty because he doesn't want to. And the right. judge is like, I don't care anything about that. And because of James Marston, they use that as a catalyst uh, because he's like, oh, the paparazzi will come. And I'm sorry, I'll have to step down because it's going to cause problems for this trial. And the judge is like, you know what? I'm not going to let that be a problem. You have to serve your civic duty just like anybody else. And I, and I won't let this be. So I'm going to sequester the jury. So that's the setup so that they can't talk to anybody outside of it. And they're all sequestered right. in a hotel room. And not, not a hotel room, but in a hotel. In a hotel. So, yeah, that, that's why the guy can't interact with friends or family, can't talk to things. You can't use your phones and stuff like that. So uh, they're all stuck there. Uh, so James Marston gets on the jury, and he does a great caricature of, of himself and like not wanting to be here. Um, he's full of himself the whole time, talk, always building up that he's up for some big role, pr- trying to practice, getting annoyed at people. It's just, he's just so good. And, and the, like the main guy who obviously doesn't know that this is not real is starstruck at first. Right. But then eventually he's just trying to like placate this big Hollywood head into, you know, like being not causing a scene half the time. Um, so it's pretty good. I'm really enjoying it. I was surprised. It's, it's not very long. Um, and it's like I said, seven or eight episodes and it's, they've got a little story. I will say one little joke. If anyone, this is a, this is a, an adult podcast. So I can say, if anyone doesn't know what soaking is, you can go look it up. It's a sexual thing. So be looking in incognito mode when you search for soaking. Um, and I mean, it's you'll where probably just find a text description, but yes, there, there you go. Find a text description. Uh, Sup- supposedly well, popular among Mormon youth. Yes, you, it's it's intercourse without. They're not allowed to move either per right. party. So let's yes. just say that much. And and there's a scene, and it does come off kind of naturally how this happens, which makes it even funnier, is that James Marston Marston agrees to jump on the bed for these two characters that are oh, doing this thing. Right. Yes. I, I, I forgot about that part. I don't remember so where it's so I dumb. heard about this. I think on Al- Alpha House House. Alpha, it's like um, a bunch like of House. yeah, a bunch of Republican senators yes. or whatever are living in the yeah. same house or it's probably their like house they live in 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 when they're in session or something. I think that's where I heard about it. Somebody, somebody talking and I forgot about the, the like third person bouncing on the bed, which is so like, it's like getting drunk off NyQuil. It's such a, like (laughs) trying so hard to find a loophole. So like, you're still following your, um, your puritanical rules, but you're not really because you're trying so hard to get around them, it's like oh, it's, very much not it's so funny. Not the spirit of the, the, of the, the thing. The camera shot that they have, and I, the the guy that's the 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 real guy is not in this scene, so there it's a purely acted out for the camera oh, okay. scene. But sure. but the the shot is kind of like looking forward at the guy, the young guy who's doing this thing, and you see James Martin in the background bouncing up and down the bed, and you mm-hmm. hear the girl say. 
jump harder, James, jump harder. And the guy goes, no, James, slow down. Don't bounce so hard, James. <laughs> just Jeez. so silly, goofy. But yeah, it's good. I, I, I enjoyed it for that thing. And, I, and I'm looking forward to this poor guy uh, finding out that it's, all, it's what, all a big joke. What, um, what do they do about the filming? Because they've got like a Truman Show thing going on here. I mean, I guess now they could have hidden cameras and stuff pretty easily. Well, it's, but... it's, you know, it's pretty open. They, they, when they like uh, interview him, they let him know that they're, it's a documentary. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a I documentary see. for this. So they have several, like, uh, as they do in reality shows where they call it confessional type stuff, where they just talk one-on-one with them. The, the talking heads, they call those. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, the, so it's, so it's like the he, office, he talk but, about this jury thing. but there's one real person. Yes, um, that's exactly yeah. that's how it was described to me. It's like the office, but one person in the office is real, as if like Ryan was a real person, right? And and that's that's pretty great. So, um, which is yes, a funny like example office, because this was this because one. Ryan was an actor and also one of the writers. So like he he right. knew more what was going on than a lot of like John Krasinski then, and yeah yeah. Uh, there, and there is, e- there's even a, a Jim Pam type thing in, that happens in this one too. Of so course there is. It, it's of course, right. It's, it's pretty great. So, and all the characters are characters. There's even one guy who's like a B or C list, uh, TV series guy who's been in things you've seen before, but you wouldn't know who he is. And right. they were worried that he would recognize him he would recognize because him, he was sure. in the office for like one or two episodes. And this guy is a fan of the office. So he was worried that he'd know him. Um, so anyway, if that it would, it would be weird. Like on that, if he, if he did recognize him, it would be weird to have two actors in the same jury. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, okay. So that, that was enough of that one. I, I, sorry, spent too much time talking about that one, but that's, that's a fun one to watch. And if you can do a Google search for it, I think it's on freebie. So it's through Amazon, but it's a thing called freebie. So even if you have Amazon, you have to watch commercials. Um, Hmm. But yeah, uh, it's, it's worth watching. I, I really enjoyed it. Okay. So let's talk about something we both watched. Let's talk about our movie of the week with Step Brothers. Let's do that. Okay. All right. This week we watched Step Brothers. Uh, I watched it very rapidly at 1.25 speed because I watched <laughs> the wrong movie um, yesterday. Uh, this is from 2008. It's uh, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, Mary Steenburgen, Richard Jenkins, Adam Scott, Catherine Hahn, Andrew Savage. Uh, who else? I think um, is Seth Rogen in there for a minute. For, for like just a minute. So many people. Um, yeah, one scene. Um, and the the guy, the guy who works with Adam Scott, who says. Whoop, yeah, what, I, he's in a lot of things, but I, I, Rob Riggle Rob is his Riggle. name, but I, yeah, yeah, I, I can't a, remember anything's on him. He's in everything. He's a TV, yeah, he, he does a lot of TV roles. Uh, he was in The Hangover, 21 Jump Street, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, so this is your first time watching this. Yeah, yeah, I'd never seen this. Um, I went through a span of time where every time I tried to watch a Will Ferrell movie, um, it just didn't hold up to Anchorman for me. It's like, of I course, could have just of course. watched Anchorman That's, again. It's hard to, yeah, yeah. And also his brief 
stint in uh, The Office put me off him for a while. Um, no, I believe he, that. I can see that. I agree. He's, he's just playing a jerk the whole time. And yep. I'm like, I think somebody thinks this is funny. Like some comedy writer who's a little too much in an echo chamber thinks this is funny, but it's not funny. Um, yeah, he, he can go, he can go like absolutely the, the top of his game to like, man, I, this guy's annoying. It's all get out. It's, it's, it's too far. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so this is the story of, um, these two guys, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, are both, um, adults, 39 and 40 living with their single parent, Mary Steenburgen and Richard Jenkins. Um, right. and in a very rapid montage, like two minutes at most, um, right at the beginning, the two, yeah. the two of them meet, hook up and get married. Um, and they both have a deadbeat adult son living with them. And so they all move in together and they have to be stepbrothers. Um, and, and hilarity ensues and hilarity ensues. This, this movie is almost nonstop absurdity. Yes. I think. Yes. Go- goofiness They're, and absurdity, but, but, but not in the way that, that Argyle was differently. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. It's just, just jokes. Yeah. It's, it's jokes. So many jokes. There's like the, I mean, as I just described the, the setup of the parents getting together, there's just the absolute bare minimum um, framework of a plot to correct, correct. Um, justify to keep, these two just hanging out. Keep keep the jokes going. Like like enough certain things happen that they switch from enemies into being kind of okay with each other to being friends in really a matter of like five minutes of screen time. <laughs> it actually, take, so that they it actually can do, takes like 20 minutes but it feels like it's five it just goes so maybe. quick the the transition yeah. i think is is yeah. very fast oh that's but. real fast oh yes when they when they go to mm-hmm. friends you're right that was uh there was a common enemy with um uh adam scott is what happened there right right yeah adam so adam scott is uh is will ferrell's overachieving younger brother who is yeah just a just a complete douche like the the yes. most obnoxious things you because i had not seen adam scott before um parks and recreation mm-hmm. i mean i i guess i technically watched the aviator years ago but i did not you know he wasn't recognized you know that. he didn't stand out in that movie um and so like the it's it's not even this it's um Oh, what's the what's the Ben Stiller movie? Um, the Secret Life of Walter oh, Mitty. Uh, Walter Mitty, yeah. Where Adam Scott is playing his boss, and that's a small part, even smaller than his part in this movie. Um, yeah. But just that kind of like corporate douchebag kind of character, um, and Catherine Hahn is his uh, miserable wife. Um, yeah, and. Yeah. And, and they're all just kook. They're not none. Of, none of the people in this film are like real people. With with no. the possible exception of the mom and dad, a little bit, a little bit. But even by the end, like they're full on absurd. Also, they're full on. Yeah. What what did the what did the therapist say? You're an enabler. You know, and you are an enabler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it, I I will say to 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 your comment on what you had said here was that Will Ferrell is just what we'd said is that I, I absolutely love him when I see him. He's just the best that I could you know laugh out loud. My favorite things like with Anchorman and then other films I watch him. It's just him and he's trying he's trying to carry everything and it's just terrible. I mean, I just don't like. There's several films that I just don't like, and he makes it. He makes it worse, right? Right. Um, so he's either like either way. And this is those films. What I and how that applies to this film is that I think he's got John C. Riley like just fifty percent of the cast here. You know, he he doesn't have yeah. to carry it all. He he gets to do all the best Will Ferrell stuff, and then John C. Riley does other Will Ferrell stuff equally as good. So I that's I think what that's... makes this. I, I I don't think I've ever really thought about this, but that's definitely true for Anchorman as well, because you've got Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, and um, oh, the guy who was Packer, Champ, Champ yeah. um, on The Office, who's also like he, less so in Champ, but like Packer is just this disgusting womanizer, and I've heard from on the Office Ladies podcast when I used to listen to that, um. Jenna, uh, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey talking about what mm-hmm. a nice, sweet guy he is, like complete opposite of that character. But all four of them are very funny. And then you've also got um, uh, Cyril. What's his? He's also Jerry on uh, on Rick and Morty. Um, oh, Chris, Chris Parr. Chris Parnell. Um, is, is there in the news that like has a couple of funny scenes, but really the four of them bounce off each other and, and add to make, like, it's not Will Ferrell carrying the whole movie. Exactly. Um, Which I think is more true of, of Talladega Nights. I know some people love that movie and it has a lot of funny jokes, but I watched it in the theater and I was like, boy, some of that just didn't, just didn't work for me. Um, yeah, yeah. As as comedy, but that's it's comedy. It's subjective, right? And, and this one, I will say for me, uh, I kind of want to get your feet on this one first. But I will say for me, m- almost all of it lands, uh, and it and that's a rare thing for some comedy. Um, and it, and I think all of it lands because it's not just Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Like Will Ferrell will say a line, John C. Riley responds to it and amps it up one more level. And then Will Ferrell responds again and amps it up one more level. So they're like this team in back and forth, one, two back punch forth, type thing yeah, that happens yeah. on each thing. Uh, so, which was pretty great. And then the, the absurdity, it's nice that the absurdity hits right off the bat, not just with the, um, like just in the setup, right? When they get married, the two parents, and then the individual sons are just doing these little monologues that are over the top hilarious. Um, and, and I mean, it's dumb. like the, it's not, not hilarious. It's dumb, you know, dumb, hilarious. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the worst, maybe not worst possible, but the, the cliche reaction of, of kids unhappy that their parent is getting remarried and unhappy to have right. step sibling. Um, as an except, adult, in adult except, bodies. Except yeah. that they're, they're two 40 year old men behaving like eight-year-old boys yeah um, yeah through most of the movie honestly so so but but they but they established that pretty early with them like 
right before the parents meet i'm like playing rock band or playing guitar hero and whatever <laughs> will ferrell is yeah. doing i don't remember um right you're just like okay it 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 does a good job of establishing the tone very early so that you know this is absurd like this is an absurd comedy don't expect any kind of reasonable or plausible situations yeah. or human behavior which which i like having coming off argyle which was a little bit less that had a slow before thing before it, it started absurd with this other thing but it kind of tr kept trying to trick you into thinking a, that it's a real film more sexy stuff sure mm -hmm. right and this one did not and it didn't just didn't did not it also did it real quick like you were just saying yeah. right it, it made sure yeah. this is the kind of movie we are get on board and here we go um so what do you think of this film i mean Comedy is subjective, obviously. Also, the thing about comedy, too, you and I have said this multiple times, is mood, right? Mood. Mm -hmm. We said this with films. When you're watching a thing, how you feel and what you do. So it's always hard to always suggest any kind of comedy without knowing the person is in the mood and the feeling, and it's their kind of comedy. But how was your mood and uh, overall thoughts on how – was it a funny show? Was it a thing you liked, enjoyed, didn't like, didn't land? What do you think? I mean, as I said, I watched it in a rush, um, which is not ideal. Um, also watched mm -hmm. it in a normal afternoon uh, when it's probably better later in the evening, maybe after a beverage or two um, because of the absurdity. <laughs> sure. um, a lot of it I was just shaking my head at, like... That's dumb. Yeah. That's dumb. Like I, I get that this is supposed to be funny. That's kind of dumb. The end when he sings the song, I was a little bit baffled, and I was like, "Is this? Are they, are they, riffing a little bit off of Shawshank Redemption? Where like just because he's singing in Italian, which I think is Italian, um, suddenly everyone around him is moved and affected because he's such a great singer. And of course, they established several times that he's a incredible singer he's just afraid to sing because of what his brother did to him um right and like suddenly everything is happening like it was i don't want to say it was moving but it was a little bit like oh this is a sweet kind of thing and then every few lines john c Riley would yell boats and hose into the into his <laughs> microphone um <laughs> So it, yeah, it's randomly when he's doing like, this perfect song, like yeah. in the, in that, you know, sort of emotional sequence, it still did not stop being absurd and funny. Um, it, and sometimes and the, it went even bigger. Cause that's, that's when the, the centaur scene happened too. Like there was a centaur. Yeah, the, and, a couple of the, a couple of the women, um, in, in, you know, one, one for each of John C. Riley and Will Ferrell have these fantasies um <laughs> in that ab while he's about, singing this song about yeah. each of them while he's singing this song um so it's still it's still very absurd there were there were a couple jokes that landed for me um and i was like oh that's you know that's funny or i laughed um but most of it most of it it was just a little more academic like Oh, I see what they're doing. That's it's a little, you know, they're going back and forth and he's going to one up him and you know, they're going to 
they're going to do this, whatever. And like, just more, more just me being aware that it's funny than actually like laughing or, or having any kind of reaction like that. Um, but as you said, a lot of, a lot of that was just me and the, and the mental state I was in trying to get through that movie before we started recording. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I had watched this one with just a, a couple couple drinks under my belt there, which, you know, kind of makes goofiness more funny type stuff. Um, right. And that's – if you haven't seen this one, I would describe this one as just – it's just peak Will, Will Ferrell. It's very much like a – it's not Anchorman, but it's, you know, Will Ferrell's Will Ferrell and Anchorman. And here he's doing the same kind of thing. And you've just got John C. Riley doing the same thing. If you liked Talladega Nights, I think I like Talladega Nights, but I think this is a better Talladega than Talladega Nights between these two. Um, so I I would recommend this to pretty much anybody. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, curse words in it, so you can't for like kids watch it. But yeah, I'd, I've, I'd recommend it to anybody for a goofy time that's silly. It's just you know, it almost reminds me of the SNL. Things that when when they would have a, a Saturday Night Live skit, they turn them into movies type stuff where they're just goofy, think based on skits. That's kind of how this felt. Yeah, um, you know, had yeah. one simple idea with not a complex thing, and then let these two funny guys just take it. Type right. Stuff. Right. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple of family members who like um, goofy uh, comedy like this, like Eurovision. Which I've never seen. Um, yeah, Walter Mitty though that one is is more straight than than comedy. Um, yeah, and this one I would hesitate just because so many of the jokes are so raunchy. Um, They're very, there's a very that, raunchy jokes, right? Yeah, that that might that might not uh, might not land with. with I mean, those, I mean, boats. He says boats and hose, right? Boats and hose. Boats, boats and hose. Yeah. And that's, John C. Riley has has several raunchy lines throughout the rest. That's that's relatively tame for the for the raunchy humor that uh, for for the raunchy this, humor right. this movie has. Uh, okay, cool. So so I, I I give it a thumbs up. What do you have for us for next week? So I messed up and watched Ocean's Thirteen over the weekend. I mean, you're um, in Vegas. You know, it makes sense. You're getting ready to it, rob the casinos. It was yet so again inspiration. Um, it was interesting to watch that movie and recognize the sights. Um, there's a line oh, where yeah, Saul Saul says something about when they opened the flamingo, and I'm like, I know what that is. I spent a lot of time in that <laughs> hotel. You know, you know that whole area. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, okay, and oh, and also 14, because I, I... because that movie also is like 15 plus years old. I'm looking at it and going, okay, I recognize that, but there's a bunch of other stuff that's missing. Not wasn't there yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. I I know I've seen eleven and twelve. I'm sure I've probably seen thirteen, but I don't remember any of it. So I'm gonna okay. have to go. This will be good for me to to watch again. I I generally enjoy these films. I like you know capers. There we are. A lot of things will when we des- describe movies as other movies, they'll say like, oh, it's like Ocean's Eleven type stuff. Sure. Um, so I, I I tend to like these um although i wasn't a big fan of oceans eight um 
I mean, I watched that. I, again, get I saw TV. that, and I remember almost nothing about it. I had really low expectations. Exactly. Um, and I thought it was fine, but yeah, not not very memorable. Maybe because it's recent. Um, I remember more about twelve than thirteen, and I remember twelve being very bad. Um, very bad. Thirteen. Yeah. Thirteen, I think, is better than twelve. Not as good as eleven, but it's hard to compete with eleven. That's one hard of my to be yeah, all time favorite be 11. movies. 11. So it's it's one of those good ones. Um, okay, so moving on a little bit here. Um, let's see. I've got played a game Hadara this weekend. Going into board games a little bit. Um, I don't really have much to describe this one. I've played it on Board Game Arena. Again, I'll repeat the name Hadara. H A D A R A. Have mm-hmm. you played this on Board Game Arena? I have. Okay. Uh, then you could probably do a better job of describing. I, I will just lead off by saying, I think it's a good and interesting game that I'm not good at, and I don't think I'll get better at. Mm. Um, it just had that, I just have that feeling about it. And, and I've played it three times now, and okay. I kind of get some of the systems and and mechanics, which Dennis will describe here in a minute, um, but I just I just can't get my head wrapped around what move I should be doing and what turn and what goal I should be going for. And mm. um, so tell, t- but that's my thought on this one. And and I, but I do think it's a good game that a lot of people would like. Uh, for me, it didn't land, but I think that it, it would be a, a recommended game overall for people. So tell us about Hadara. You played it on Board Game Arena. All right, this. This is a game that I mostly understand. Um, I understand. Yeah, I've I've said several times that one of the one of the major flaws with board game arena is that it is one hundred percent possible to play and participate in a board game without learning it at all. Um, yeah, I think I did that for one game, and then maybe a couple more games, just kind of slowly learning how the mechanics uh work um it a a large portion of it is um almost simultaneous turns um which is good it it makes things go fast um there is a system of discounts where the cards you buy will make future cards cheaper and i don't understand how that works um, because board game arena. That's does the one it for thing me. I did understand. It's the only thing I understood. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and there are these sort of medals that you can claim by uh, achieving certain goals. Some of them give you points. So you you buy cards that have one of five, one or more of five colors on them. Um, you can buy any cards you want, except that you need to have as many or more green as the number of cards. Otherwise your people don't have enough food and you have to discard cards until you have equal or less than, than the amount of green you have. And then you can buy medals that are like, Oh, I'm going to buy the red medal. That'll give you a point for every two red things you have in your cards in your, whatever you're building. I don't know what the theme of the game is either. Um, and some are just flat points. Um, you buy those metals with the same coins that you use to buy cards and they get more expensive the longer the game goes on. I think it's a three round 
game, maybe four. Um, yeah, three ages. Three ages. Um, and I think that's as much as I really understand. We played we played it um, in real time once on a Tuesday night, um, and our buddy Chris explained a bunch of stuff for Fox or somebody who hadn't played it at all. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's how that works. Um, yeah, so that's I th- where I'm at. With I this think game. some of the, I, I think some of the things on the mechanics now that you, you described it. Thank you very much. Um, that, that are hard for me to get my head wrapped around is, is that there's some goals. So that, that there's di- to get victory points. So you get, get the most victory points. Whoever has most victory points then wins. And there's a couple ways to get those victory points besides just getting them on cards that you, you purchase. Um, you get, uh, there's like have one of every color of card and that gets you seven points. And for every, that's a set. And for every set, you get seven points and you can buy, you buy that basically buy that goal to get that. My goal is to get seven victory points for every set. And then I could buy that twice. It's called a medal. I'm like, okay, that I get my head around that. And then another one is like have a lot of red cards. If you have a lot of, or not red cards, but like red military cards that have red resources on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, the more you get of those, then you get more victory points from the military victories. And if you get uh, more blues, then you there's a whole building statues and you get victory points for more blues. So it's kind of like, do you want to focus on one color or two colors or broad range? So that seems very straightforward. But my problem came oftentimes is that when buying a card and it has like two yellows and a blue on it, I'm like, is that a good card or is that a bad card? Is it good to have blue? If I'm going for blue, do I buy that one? Or is that a too expensive for what it is? And I, I just, all of the cards are like that. I don't know what is a good choice and what isn't a good choice to buy. Mm. Right. And it, I feel and like, like, oh, I'm going to go for blues. It's sometimes the games you'll say, I'm going to go for blues. Right. I'm, that's my goal. Right. I'm going to go for blues. But then you get, you get this card that's like a, a yellow card and it's got a blue on it. You're like, well, I'm going for blues. I got to buy that card. Well, maybe that's a really bad card because it's worth eight. You have to pay eight gold for it and it only gives you one blue. But I don't know if that's good for yellow cards or maybe there's another yellow card that gives you four blues for cheaper. Right. I just don't. There's so many variables that I don't know is a good play. Mm-hmm. And then invariably, I end up not making the best plays. Like, well, I, I thought I was going for blue, but but Pat knew all of the blue the, the ways to get blue better. So he got a ton of blues, and sure. I'm nowhere near that. Yeah, I you think know. for me, um, a couple things helped me there. I've never played it in person. And so the the BGA interface shows me the discounts so I can see where, like, I'm getting a good deal, right? Like, this is a five gold card, but it's only going to cost me two. And I'm like, well, that's pretty good. I have enough green and I have the red metal, so I'm going to buy this one because it has red. And I just... There's also a factor of when I'm playing a game on Board Game Arena and I don't completely understand it. Um... I am less bothered by trying to make optimal plays. I'm like, well, how yeah. am I going to win this yeah. if I don't know all the all the mechanics anyway? So 
this seems like a good card. I'll just buy this one. And I rarely win, but I don't really care because I'm like, if I really cared about winning, I would read the rules and figure out how this dang game works. Um, yeah. I, I also, I'll admit the last thing on this, this game that I, that I have a problem with, and this is moving into Michael's personal play style uh, and uh, territory here. I, I really try my best to make sure that I don't do make choices for negative reasons. Sure. I don't always succeed in that. But what I mean by that is Dennis and I are playing a game and I have a, I can buy a card that gives me five points or I can buy a card that gives me three points. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a third card that gives Dennis minus three points. Right. Which one of those do I choose? Well, I choose, I almost always go for the one that gives me five points or, or sorry, let me take that back. It's five points, three points and minus five points to Dennis. Right. I almost always choose the five points for me. And it really bothers me when I play against people who pick the minus five to Dennis mm. option. Do you see sure. what I'm saying there? Yep. Another example is tick, Ticket to Ride. When I, when I play Ticket to Ride, I have my routes and I try to complete my routes. Other people will pick, see their routes, try to figure out my routes, and then try to stop me from completing my routes. Right? Yeah. And, and that, that bothers me in games. And I had a case in Hadara where playing somebody in real time played that way. And it really kind of tainted the game for me. It wasn't me just trying to figure out how to get blues. It was somebody trying to stop recognizing that I was going for blues and stopping me from getting blues. As long as it didn't hurt them badly, as long as it hurt me worse. You know what I mean? And so that made me like, I don't like this game. You know, if someone else can figure it out and do and do anti moves against me in that way. So that again, that's a comment on me and my play style versus opposed to the game itself, because a lot of games have that. And I don't mean to knock that in games because that's a very valid strategy. And if you play at a like a professional level or at Gen Con or in tournaments, then you absolutely should play away all the weights and things of minus a player versus your positive points. Yes, I don't mean to knock that. But for me, it just is an icky feeling when you're trying to hurt somebody's fun so that you can win. Sure. Well, that and, sense? and in a lot of games, it doesn't work. Uh, I mean, it depends on the game. But like right. uh, Lord Lords of Waterdeep is the example we always use. Like, if you burn your action giving somebody else a mandatory quest, like the best the best you're going to do is stop them from winning you're probably not helping yourself win um i mean in right. more than more than two players obviously but yeah yeah so i just wanted to admit that that's something that tainted my opinion on this game so to not say just because i don't i'm not a big fan of hadara doesn't mean that it's not it's not a good game cuz i think in general it's a solid mechanics game i don't think uh, i knew the that side, there were like PVP things you could do in that game. Yeah, it's it's the um the, you know the when you buy cards, everybody buys cards at the same time from the 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 stack that you're supposed to buy. Mm-hmm. And then if you see that like for example, we'll say blue again, it's my turn and this this I can sell this card 
um, and get money for it. Um, or, oh, sorry, sorry, I can like not buy that card or whatever it is, you know, and, and someone buying that card. So just so you can't have it. Right. Type thing. Hate drafting. They, they, they look across the table and say, I don't know how many points he has, but he's going towards blue and this is a great blue card. So I don't need it. I don't want it, but I'm going to buy it. So he can't have it because it'll do really good for him type thing. Yeah. There's some like, games oh. like that. Like, have you played, um, Nid of Lear? I think I did once. But I can't remember. It's it's the like it's the dwarves of different colors, and they each have different scoring mechanics. Oh, I think I remember this. Yeah, okay. There's like the light yeah. blues are just the sum of their values. The reds are yeah. the sum of their values. But if you have the most, you also get your number of red cards added. Uh, the yellow ones are multiplicative. It's like their total yeah. score plus how or times how many you have, and then yeah. Uh, green and dark blue are both on sort of accelerating scales, like a Fibonacci scale, sort of. Yeah. Um, It seems like maybe your sort of game, because I know how much you like Viking-themed stuff. Um, I, do, I do like Viking stuff. But yeah. it's definitely one of those where you're competing, you're bidding on the columns for drafts, and the order you draft uh, depends on how high your, your bid is, your secret bid. Um, and it definitely has that mechanic of if if Pete goes for the yellow dwarves and nobody else does he's probably going to win right so you yeah. so you kind of have to like try to compete or try to like you want to be going for colors that only one other person at most is going for otherwise there's too much competition but then you also get right. he, you get these bonus cards these heroes Every time you make a set of all five colors. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's a little... I go back and forth with that game. Last time I played it, I had both um, Pete and Jill in the game, who are two of our most competent um, uh, and skilled yeah. gamers. And I did not complete a set. I forget which color it was, but there was one of the colors I did not get a single card of in the entire game and it was very frustrating yeah yeah and i i should i should probably clarify a little bit too because because i do say that i do do those negative things sometimes especially if it's like a big game or something but mm -hmm. um but in in this case probably a little bit of a qualifier was that i was i happened to be far far in last place at that time right mm. and it's 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 the why do you got to I know it's it's optimal for you to make me get minus four points instead of you getting plus three points, but it's just a jerk move. If right? if you're not winning, and, yeah, it's it's kind of a kind of a weird. Like, yeah, that, that's that's but, the most optimal move by one point, but like, yeah, but it's kind of a jerk move. You know? Yeah, that that goes a little into my my thing of getting to a point in the game where I know that I'm not only not going to win, but I'm probably going to come in last place, but then being socially obligated to stay at the table. Right. Like yeah. if, if, yeah. if I get pissed off and walk away in the middle of a game, now I'm the asshole. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think it's yeah, part I, of what I, I had like that about for a BGA. moment in this. I had this, that for yeah. a moment in this game, thankfully that was this, that thing happened near the end of the game. And I was like, all right, I'm just checking out and just run into the motions for the last 10 minutes of this game. So, 
Uh, anyway, that was Sadara. Didn't mean to push that down for that one, but that it's an insight to a little bit about me. Um, I used to be a little bit worse with that, where I would like hold the grudge to the next game too, where I was like, you know what? You were a jerk to me that last game. I'm going to do nothing but just make it not fun for you, which is no, not a cool thing to do. It, it goes um, back to the thing I said I earlier about, about, you know, hopefully as we go through life, we become better as people about that kind of stuff. Like, Ho well, I, and hopefully I, we become better and not be jerks like that to cause that feeling. <laughs> you know, Exactly. And, and also, and also telling that, uh, those are both rules on Trotsky's gaming house rules. Like, yeah, no, you no, you can't rage quit. <laughs> uh, you can't, you can't yeah, leave yeah. in the, in the middle of a game. And also though, this one's a little more nebulous because people definitely do it because it's very hard not to, um, you know, you play the game you're in and don't bring, don't bring grudges in from the last game you played with that person. Oh, we all do that anyway. We all do we that do, anyway. So. We do it anyway, <laughs> but, but there's a, there's a rule to be like, Hey, we should, we should try not to do this because it's, yeah, it's not, right. uh, it's not a good time for anybody. Right. Uh, all right. Last thing in the last couple of minutes we've got here, uh, I'll do my, my quick uh, recap of deep space nine season three. This mm. is not, uh, just, it's a, I finished season three. Last time we talked about season one and season two, right. I'm starting season four now, which I noticed Worf is now added to the cast. So, uh, mm. Star Trek deep space nine, uh, again, reminding people who haven't seen my new year's resolution was to get through deep space nine. Um, I was supposed to, I I made the, the dedication to get through it all before the end of February. I didn't think it was possible. Now I think I might actually do it. Um, but uh, so my thoughts on season three, which I completed this last week, uh, it is, we had an episode with Thomas Riker, which was pretty cool to me because I liked that episode in, in uh, the next generation. It is the mm -hmm. clone teleporter accident clone of William Riker. Right. Um, and it, it was neat to see this char other character that's not Riker, but is Riker, but is his own thing. It's such a neat concept. And I like how um, what's the, Jonathan Frakes plays those two characters as different people, but the same person. It's really neat. So I enjoyed watching Thomas Riker in an episode. Uh, season three brought in and introduced the new faction in Star Trek called the Maquis, which right. tend to play – they're a big – point for Voyager when Voyager mm -hmm. comes out half mm -hmm. the crew is Maquis um, so season three introduces them and deals a lot with them so they're a, a the Cardassian and Bajoran factions have ended their long war at the beginning of Deep Space Nine and there's a treaty and the Maquis are Federation colonists people who don't like the treaty and want to fight the, the, the Cardassians because they're still bad guys and they're in the Maquis. So that's interesting. Um, what is Gene Roddenberry's wife? What was, what's her name? Barrett is her last name. How do you say Ma her name? Majel Barrett. That's how I say it. Majel Barrett. Pronouncing it right. But yeah. But reprising her role as walks on of, uh, Troy. Yeah, is, she does. She uh, did the voice of the computer. I think up until, yep. I think even, beyond her passing she's not in the new like in in strange new worlds and stuff they have somebody else but she was the voice of the computer for right. definitely all the 90s era um she also played yes. nurse chapel in the original series 
um, and is original series. Uh, Waxana Troy, uh, Deanna Troy's mother. Mother, and she reprises that role in this this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, has one episode. She does a really good job of it. Uh, she's generally kind of annoying to me, and she's on Next Generation. But this one, I really enjoyed her her appearance and uh, her. It was a silly episode. It really was kind of a silly throwaway episode. But I liked her in this one. Uh, she didn't overpower or to be too much, and it was fun. I liked that one. Uh, there was an, a the two part time travel episode that took place in get this guys twenty twenty four. They traveled back to twenty twenty four. Oh, with the um, um, which the Bell Riots, the Bell Riots, right? I heard about that, that one on was pretty good. TikTok, yeah, it, it's uh, it's pretty good. Um, not to not even a little bit, just because it takes place in twenty twenty four, and it's not clearly not our twenty twenty four. So a lot of people will say that um, Star Trek, these kind of things, when they go past in, back into the past which is our our present or even our past says that star trek takes place in an alternate earth timeline not in our possible earth timeline which is sad but makes sense uh anyway two-parter the bell riots it was pretty fun i enjoy that time travel thing that's definitely sad because that's one of my greatest hopes is that we'll survive to meet vulcans and humans will will stop being so terrible Yes. So Eventually. just keep believing that. Don't watch, don't watch this episode then, or these two episodes then, because it, <laughs> it'll make, make uh, Odo starts uh, coming out and finally professes his love to Kira, not to her yet, but you you now know slowly he is falling in love with Kira, or has fallen in love with Kira, but uh, he's a complex character. So yeah, season how, three how is when, it, when he, he recognizes it. He's gotten with, he get he's gotten together with the founders. He's described, he's figured out who the founders and the changelings are. That's pretty big. We now know that the founders are part of the, are the leaders of the dominion and they are super bad guys. Um, so it's pretty scandalous know for that Odo now. to be attracted to a solid. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's actually Odo's a pretty complex character and, uh, I wasn't a fan of him going into this uh, watching of the series. Uh, I'm a much bigger fan of him now because he is a multi-layered character mm-hmm. for many reasons. And it takes place over many episodes of many seasons. So it's not like one thing that happens or one or two key episodes you can say. He just has a couple moments that gives his character building in a, in an episode. And then the next two episodes later, he'll do another thing where he he says something to Kira that you're like, oh, I think he likes her. And then they don't mention it again. And then three episodes later, he'll say something else. So it's kind of like a, a Odo building. So anyway, that, that happened. Slow burn, and then yeah. the last thing that was big about season three was we learn who the Jim Hadar is, which is a new race introduced into Star Trek and Deep Space Nine. They are the warrior class uh, for the founders of the Dominion. Those are all very nerdy terms I just said. <laughs> and... Uh, we we've come to find out um, who they are, what they're about. And then we get as Deep Space Nine always does. We get a moral story, which is the dangers of drug abuse. Uh, so yeah. that's the Jim Hadar are basically the stand in for uh, drug addiction is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. The the Dominion are uh, a group of shapeshifters called changelings. Correct. Well, so, so- the founders are. The founders. What did I say? The Dominion. The Dominion is like the, saying the Federation. 
Yeah, the Dominion is their empire. So the the founders are changelings that are shapeshifters. And that yeah. gives you the we were talking off air about how Ronald Moore um is one of the showrunners for DS9 who would go on to make the rebooted um Battlestar Galactica, Battlestar Galactica. right? Where they have the you know, the Cylons look like us now, right? Which is the Yes. That's the existential thread. It's the it's the scrolls or yep. um Yep. And many other kind of stories like that where the enemy is walking among us and we have no way of knowing because they could be anybody, right? Um, yeah, that that is the last episode of season three pushes that as the main scare thing for the rest of next season. I can tell like right, the, right. the last episode is a changeling. It's all dealing with a changeling who is going back and forth between I thought of it as the thing. Remember we watched the thing, you know, mm-hmm. and there's an alien yes, amongst us yes. and we don't know who yep. it is. Among, uh, so I mean, there's a whole game among us. Cor- uh, correct. Driven, yes. You know, yes, built on like among that, us. that entire concept. Um, yes. So that happened. And then as the spoiler, as the bad guy dies, he tells Odo, it's too late. We're everywhere. So, yes, Dennis, that that's what's setting up for the rest. And then my right. going in now season four and the and the and the Jim had are are more. They look like more typical um star trek uh um aliens they're yeah. you know s- somewhere between a klingon and like a gorn or a cardassian or a, a cardassian they're between just a, a lot of and a, a lot of latex yeah. whatever on there but they are they're a warrior race who the dominion keep um in check keep control over because they're all addicted to something called Ketracel White, which is the white kind of it's it's cocaine, I think, basically. Yeah, it's um, like cocaine, right? You know, makes them makes them great fighters, but they're all addicted to it, and so the the Dominion can control them because they control the spice. Um, no, wait, that's the wrong. Spice. Um, the white, right. but yeah, the, the white. The, they call the, it. the thing I learned. The thing I learned about in this one. I will say, what did I learn the most in season three that I didn't know about Star Trek before? That's probably something I should say to conclude my thoughts on oh, these sure. seasons. I I learned this season about the Star Trek universe. Probably the Jim Hadar were probably the most thing that I learned the most about. Because there was sure. one episode where they find a, it might even be an egg or just a young child. Um, and it And they don't know what it is. And it grows very rapidly. It grows like mm-hmm. in the episode, takes place over not even a week maybe and this thing grows to a full full grown adult and they find out that it's a Jim Hadar. So Jim Hadar grow are grown really quick and they have the, all the knowledge of an adult and they are from birth engineered to be aggressive and hostile and then subservient to the founders. Like they see them as everything that's better than them and everything like gods, they right. worship them from in their three days of life from a child to a full adult. They are, they are hooked on this, this thing at birth. They can't live with, they physically cannot live without it. They worship this one specific race and every single person is beneath them and needs to be killed. Like yeah. I learned that one thing about the Jim Hadar in one episode and that expanded my Star Trek knowledge for season three. So that was a plus. So that's season three, Deep Space Nine. 
Nice. Yeah, I think we got it all. I think we did. We did. We got a good, good, good uh, total here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so next week, Oceans 13. Correct. And whatever else happens, I don't think I'll make it out to the theater before next week. But I don't know what else is playing. I, I kind of want to watch the Book of Clarence because you gave it such a uh, is Book of Clarence, right? So it's called. Uh, that does not. Or is that American? What was the one you watched? You American Fiction. American Fiction. Sorry. Well, there was another one called The Book of Clarence, but American Fiction. I kind of wanted to still go see that one. I was hoping is. to see it last weekend, but I didn't get a chance. Hmm. So maybe I'll get an opportunity to go see that this weekend. Yeah, cool. It's it's funny. I think you'll like it. All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 335. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. You could check them out for reviews on things. If you'd like... If you would like to reach out to us and, I don't know, uh, tell us why Step Brothers is funnier than, I, th I mean, I thought it was funny, so <laughs> it's not really a hot take. Anyway, you can reach us via email. That address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Our website is frontporchpodcast.com. You can find contact forms there to reach out to us. Sometimes show notes. I'll put a link to the um, Board Game Geek page for Hadara and what else did I mention? Uh, Nid Valir. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a favorable review, we always appreciate that. It helps out a lot in those rankings. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>